Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will examine the current state of the relationship between the U.S. and China, how the relationship might evolve, and the potential implications for investment portfolios. Uh, joining me here for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Alejo, good morning. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Dan. Thank you, as always, for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So, Alejo, I know our conversation is going to unpack the recent Chief Investment Office publication, Clashing Powers, the Evolving U.S.-China Relationship, and what it means for investors. So, Alejo, to set the stage, we have to be mindful of how the U.S.-China relationships, they've had a rough year so far. So, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Alejo, in terms of where do you think these relationships are headed, and could we be in the eve of a new Cold War scenario here? Absolutely, Dan. Um, I think you're right to point out that um, the beginning of the year has been uh, rough for U.S.-China relationships. For investors who were expecting the Biden administration to press their recent button on uh, these relationships, uh, the year has turned out to be shockingly disappointing so far. Started with the Alaska meetings back in March that were quite confrontational, followed by the U.S. Deputy Secretary of State China visit in July that did little to allay concerns on the poor direction of travel of the bilateral relationship. And uh, in coming months, indeed, we expect no marked improvement in tone or substance in terms of U.S.-China uh, conversations. We need to be mindful of the fact that both President Joe Biden and Xi Jinping uh, will face their own domestic political tests in November of 2022, when the U.S. midterm election takes place and the 20th National Party Congress in China is also scheduled to take place. So at least until then, Dan, domestic politics looks set to be front and center of Biden and Xi Jinping's agendas. And it certainly does not help that appearing soft against the other side is not well received domestically. All that said, make no mistake, we are not facing a Cold War scenario in our view. What enabled that conflict to exist between the U.S. and the former Soviet Union was a lack of meaningful linkages between their economies and financial markets. Today, on the other hand, deep connections exist between the U.S. and China that allows their economies and businesses to benefit from the free flow of goods, financial capital, and, of course, human capital. So not only is a breakup between the U.S. and China impractical, but in our view, the interconnection between both countries in some areas might even grow in coming years. Looking ahead, I think regular clashes between the U.S. and China are simply inevitable, yet investors can work on mitigating the geopolitical risks in, in their portfolios. In our analysis, Dan, taking sides from an investment perspective is not the right approach. Instead, we think that seeking exposure to both the U.S. and China makes more sense from an investment perspective in order for investors to have exposure to the different economic cycles 
growth opportunities and sectoral trends that each country has to offer. Well, Alejo, that was very helpful clarity given how volatile the headlines can be at times with respect to the relationship between the U.S. and China. Uh, there could be some misperceptions out there in terms of how this relationship might evolve. So that clarity is very helpful. I know there has been a lot of focus on trade between both countries and how adversarial this aspect of the bilateral relationship has become. Uh, this, of course, has been going on for many years. However, in the paper, Alejo, you do argue that there is more than trade to the relationship and that characterizing U.S.-China links as purely adversarial is an oversimplification. So, Alejo, what exactly do you mean by this? I think you're, you're right, uh, Dan, in that you know, we need to start by recognizing that U.S.-China relationships are complex and multifaceted. Our team has worked on identifying important links between both countries across at least eight different areas. This include uh, trade, of course, but we can also think of supply chains or the capital flow area, monetary policy, technology, cybersecurity, territorial um, uh, misunderstandings, and of course, the area of uh, climate change, which is gaining in, in importance uh, on, on both sides uh, in terms of the U.S. and China. So we have tried to avoid characterizing the relationship in any of these areas generically. And we actually think the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, summed it up nicely in March when he stated that the U.S.-China relationship will be, quote-unquote, competitive when it should be, collaborative when it can be, and adversarial when it must be. So take the topic of trade, for instance. This certainly has collaborative aspects to it. Think of the billions of dollars of opportunities that both U.S. and Chinese corporations take advantage of on a, on a daily basis. Trade can also be competitive at times. Uh, think in this case of the trade of certain items such as semiconductors. And finally, of course, trade can have adversarial aspects to it. And here, the tariff war during the Trump administration comes to mind. Moving on to, to a different area to illustrate this point, uh, we can think of climate change. This certainly has collaborative aspects to it when it comes to you know the fact that both countries have net zero goals and there is some indication that countries, the U.S. and China, will work together towards achieving these goals. But frictions here are inevitable as well. China is a key source of raw materials in the clean tech supply chain. And further restrictions on trade on certain of, uh, of, of these raw materials could restrain the production of solar panels and high-capacity batteries, for instance. So taking it all together... We think investors need to recognize the complexities and position accordingly. In the paper you highlighted, Dan, we try to give investors tools to do so. And let's take one additional example, that of cybersecurity. U.S.-China relations in this area are generally adversarial. And this has a lot to do with the limited supply chain dependencies in the area of cybersecurity. Both governments have expressed mutual distrust, and they have publicly accused one another of cyber espionage. Now, what should investors do in this case? We think they should diversify outside of just 
the U.S. and China cybersecurity plays and consider, for instance, vendors in Europe, Japan, and Korea to avoid some of the risks, including uh, the, the inclusion of, of companies in, in um, entity lists uh, or uh, sanctions, potentially, against specific companies. Uh, with business currently severely underinvested in cybersecurity, in our analysis, capital spending should continue to grow at a healthy pace of 10% a year globally in this space. With an increasing shift to cloud, we see cloud security as the key focus for capital spending in, in coming years. So uh, back, to, back to your initial question, Dan, I think we need to recognize that this is a, a complex relationship that you know cannot be oversimplified uh and it's, it needs to be looked at in depth and there are steps that investors can take to mitigate uh, geopolitical risk in in the different areas and even take advantage of of some developments and trends moving forward alejo i do want to run with that for a few moments and to characterize the u.s china relationship as complicated might be an understatement some commonalities as you pointed out when it comes to certain ambitions and goals though clearly some notable areas of friction but i do want to get back to your latter point there alejo i know within the paper it talks about the implications of continued u.s China tensions for investment portfolios. So can you spend a few moments walking us through those? Absolutely. So let's um, recognize first and foremost that in coming years, China will try to continue to solidify its role as an economic hub and regional power. At the same time, the U.S. will want to preserve its central role in the global stage. So when you uh, put all of this together, we conclude that disagreements are inevitable, that uh, geopolitical risks may be on the, on the right, and all of this might have the potential to trigger more frequent global market drawdowns during the more heated episodes. Uh, in this regard, some exposure to safe haven currencies such as the Japanese yen or gold could help protect portfolios from this sort of volatility. But importantly, we expect self-interest in both countries to ultimately prevail and uh, prevent the situation to uh, go out of hand. And therefore, even if it becomes more difficult for U.S. investors to invest in China and vice versa, we think capital flows between both countries will continue and China will, in fact, accelerate its opening up in terms of financial markets to the rest of the world. Um, from a portfolio construction perspective, the volatility of portfolio returns should be mitigated in our analysis if allocations are diversified between the U.S., China, and other regions. As we talked about earlier, Dan, this way portfolios can benefit from varying economic cycles, growth opportunities, and, and sectoral trends. And the end result of this should be a steadier path of wealth accumulation because over extended periods of time, U.S. assets could be doing well as Chinese equities, for instance, suffer, or vice versa, as it has been often the case over the last few years. So in sum, we expect a concentration of investments in a single country to be detrimental to investors aiming to achieve their, their financial, financial goals. Um, and so if we put it all together in, 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 in a few seconds, Dan, the reality is 
U.S.-China relationships will not improve materially for the foreseeable future. Yet, we're not in a Cold War scenario. The U.S. cannot ignore China, and China cannot ignore the United States. There are deep economic and financial connections between both countries. And in this environment, the best way to navigate geopolitical uncertainty is for investors to keep exposure to uh, both countries, the U.S. and China, and as well to, uh, as, as other, other regions. Uh, otherwise, the concentration of risk would be, would be too large in our view. Well, Alejo, thank you for unpacking what is a very complex topic that I know financial markets are laser-focused on. Uh, the clarity you provided in terms of what this relationship is and isn't was very helpful. I'm sure there will be many follow-up conversations to come as we track the evolution of this complicated U.S. and China relationship. Though, Alejo, it was very nice catching up with you uh, this morning. As always, thank you very much for your time, your insights, and we will look forward to picking back up with the conversation again soon. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you, Alejo. And again, today we've been joined by Alejo Zaranko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including of course, the publication which Alejo has been making reference to during our conversation today, Clashing Powers, the Evolving U.S.-China Relationship, and What It Means for Investors. So for clients of UBS, you can, of course, contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.